anyway, and this doctor uh, felt her cranium, and Rafe was like, I'm gonna fill up way more than that on the library floor, because the fucking library in that house, ain't nobody safe in that library, okay? <laughs> it's seen more action than like the bedrooms. Literally. to Romancing the Monsters. I'm Em. Hi, I'm S. I'm Seth. And Merry Christmas, everyone! Happy Holidays! Oh, yeah! Merry Christmas! Isn't it weird? It's like October, end of October when we're recording this, and somehow this is going up uh, very near Christmas time, like the 23rd, I believe. So yeah. Christmas is right around the corner, which is why we planned things so that the final book in the Wildflower <laughs> series, a.k.a. A Wildflower Christmas, which just so happened to be our Christmas book this year. It's extra special, I feel like, because it's not just a random book, you know, like this no. is the end of a series that we've read mm -hmm. all the books. Hopefully you followed along along with us and read all the books with us and now you, here you are reading a Christmas book around Christmas time for you, hopefully. <laughs> <laughs> um, Seth, what is yeah. a wallflower Christmas about? Um, so basically uh, this book is about the wallflowers, which are Annabelle, Lillian, Daisy, and Evie. And they're celebrating Christmas back at Stony Cross. Mm -hmm. And we meet Lillian and Daisy's eldest brother, Rafe who has just come from New York um, to spend Christmas time with his parents and his sisters, and also just to see how things are going in terms of, like, the Bowman Empire in uh, the UK. And also, he has been kind of, I guess, ordered to find himself an English wife, um, a woman in the peerage, and they all settle upon Lady Natalie. Um, so... Lillian decides that she wants to vet the supposed bride for her brother and kind of calls upon her lady compa lady's companion. Mm -hmm. That's what she's called, right? I believe to visit so. the Marsden Manor in London before they go off to Stony Cross for Christmas time. And uh, Rafe decides to sit in on this meeting and we meet Hannah. And she's very much thrown for a loop when she meets this American man who wants to shake her hand and he's brash and arrogant mm -hmm. and right off the bat, they, you know... Sparks the flying. Yeah, sparks are flying and he even, once they're alone, demands a kiss from her. Mm -hmm. And he's just very, uh, you know, just arrogant and yeah. he just feels this instant connection with Hannah. Um, and things is just arousal at that point, but... Uh, you know, Miss Hannah goes back to her employer or, I guess, family. They're, like, loose family members and tells them about, you know, her experience with Rafe. And Lady Natalie is very much intrigued and excited to meet her future, I guess, fiancé. And we just cut to Stony Cross and everyone's back there celebrating Christmas time. Rafe and Hannah are, you know, constantly drawn to each other and... 
you know, during this time you should be courting Natalie and things happen there, but not really, he's not feeling that connection with her that he's feeling with Hannah. And yeah, the wallflowers also find themselves back in it, interfering and meddling with this relationship between Rafe and Hannah. And also they don't want him to make a mistake with marrying Natalie. So they make sure that they're involved in that. How did we like this little Christmas book by Lisa Claypass? Seth, how about we start with you? Since we never start with sure. you, I feel like. I mean, I like I liked it. I've, re- I've only read this one once, and I remember it so vividly. It was the one time Lisa Claypass liked my picture on Instagram, and I was like, oh my gosh. It was great. Um, so, like, cut to now. Uh, I read it again. I really didn't remember the story of Hannah and Rafe at all. Um, so it was really nice to revisit that and just experience wallflowers at Christmas time, Lillian and her big ass tree. And like, I just, it was fun. It was just a fun time with all the wallflowers. Agreed. I loved it. Agreed. I read this book in 2017 for the first time because I didn't know it existed. Yes, you were saying that. Um, so I remember loving it just because when I read it, obviously I read all the previous books. Um, except, again, the magic, back in 2013, and then I didn't reread them after that. So for me, not only is this a reunion book, but it was like me having a (laughs) reunion with the Wallflowers because I hadn't read about these characters in years. Mm -hmm. So, like, seeing all these characters, I was, like, so happy and stuff. Uh, And obviously that was only, like, what, four years ago? Um, (laughs) Still, and, you know, we just reread the whole series, but it still feels like a warm hug to me like I love this book it's fun um I still think that Lisa Kleypas is clearly and I mean she doesn't need me to say this for this to be a fact but she's clearly an amazing writer who like who in hell can can write such a short story you know a short book and yeah. yet fit so much into it and make it so yeah. satisfying still. And for the characters to still be developed and make you feel like you you read a whole novel, even though it was, you know, a shorter novel. A shorter story, yeah. Incredible. I love it. Sebastian St. Vincent. <laughs> um, anyway. <laughs> <laughs> what about you, Wes? Um, I loved it. I really enjoyed it. Um I felt like I went through a lot of emotions reading it. Yeah. <laughs> she does throw in there some little things that you're like, oh my I God, know. Lisa Pass, You're going there, huh? Yeah, had me freaking out a little bit. Um, but I loved it. I loved Rafe. I loved um, Hannah. I disliked Natalie. Yeah. Marcus, we got to talk about him. <laughs> oh my gosh, I have a one gripe. I'll talk about it after. But yeah, no, it, I really enjoyed it. I loved getting to see like this setting getting to see all the wallflowers together it it was nice and Rafe I I didn't remember Rafe being this oof my goodness but he was certainly my goodness (laughs) yeah Uh, when you said arrogant that's probably yes um and I might even go as far as saying he might be one of the most arrogant of the bunch because I feel like the others they are, but in different ways and with different mm-hmm. intentions, where Ra- whereas Rafe is just like, like you said, like brash and, and bold and arrogant and like, just like, I will take what I want. Unapologetically American. Yeah, yeah. exactly. That Yeah. Yeah. It's that American feel to it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 
Um, I have arrived, therefore it is mine, I guess. Yes, that um, is his mentality. Yeah. And you know what? I love to see it. It was yeah, great. Yeah, I mean, it works great in the hero, gotta say. Um, so I want to start this conversation by asking you guys, how did you feel about this setup? Because it's very interesting, right? Like, our heroine is not the woman he's supposed to marry. And she's sent there to essentially report back on whether or not, you know, he's a good match. (laughs) Yeah. And, you know, their first meeting is interesting because they start off on the right foot, I feel like. And then it quickly disintegrates into hating each other pretty much or like he's he obviously he doesn't hate her he's very interested perhaps too interested for her liking (laughs) um and she's like very against the idea of of him marrying her cousin so how did you like that setup it's a little forbidden you know it's a little yeah no it is they can't but they want to it it kind of reminded me and correct me if i'm wrong um anthony and yes right Yeah, 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 yeah. Some, yeah, yeah. Little vibes like that. Um, Except Edwina is so much better than yes. Natalie. Fuck Natalie. I hated her. Natalie was so cruel. She was just like very snobby and like I think she childish. Yeah, and I feel like she was like the women that of that time. You know, like we we read about like the exception to that rule or like the exception to like women of that time, and like she very much embodied like what I would imagine an heiress acting like. You know, what's annoying about her is not the fact that she wants these experiences and like you know she wants to no. kiss all her suitors and stuff like that's great good for you girl you know test out the waters before putting a ring yeah, on it of you course. know yeah. but what's annoying to me or frustrating was the way that she was treating her cousin you know yes. the the little comments the little like that scene i'm kind of jumping the gun here but that scene mm-hmm. where um Hannah feels unwanted, you know, like her cousin is like making her feel like she's literally dirt on her shoes because she won't leave because she's fucking doing her job and being a chaperone because she knows what Rafe is like and she's worried, you know, And, and yet her cousin is like literally making her feel like shit. And never fucking apologizes for it, you know? It's just accepted as like, yeah, whatever, it's cool. Like, no, it's not cool. It's not cool. Yeah. No, and I love that um, Lisa Claypass inserted that little tidbit of, like, Rafe picking up on it. Like, that scene was in his perspective. Yes. And I love that um, he was, like, able to, like, comment on, like, her bad behavior and, like, how annoying she was and, like, how dare you do that to someone like Hannah. And then he goes out of his way to, like, kind of, like, get out of, her, like, that situation because he's like, I'm not kissing you tonight. I'm not going to kiss you ever. Yeah. And then he finds himself with Hannah again. And, like, what is she doing? She's just reading, like, a story to children. And I just... Hannah's so cute. I love Hannah. She's great. Yeah. Hannah is a kind soul, you know, just like a a real good person. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know? And Rafe, you got to love a hero who, from the start, he literally had no interest in that cousin. <laughs> like, no. He was only asking questions about Hannah. He only wanted to know about Hannah. Like, from the start, for him, it was decided. Like, he knew yeah. what he wanted and who he wanted. I love that. I love that so much. Anyways, 
I just wanted to say that. But also, I love how, so we've had, what, like, seven heroes and seven heroines at this point. Isn't that insane? <laughs> and all within what? One, two, three, four, five books? Five, six books. Six books? Unless you're counting Natalie and Travers no, or whatever his name is. No, no, no. Tra- no. Tra- Trevor <laughs> or whatever his name was. He he deserves better than that woman. Anyway. I feel so bad for that guy. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. Maybe someone will disagree with me, but I feel like each and every single one of those characters are different. Yeah, 100% yeah. agree. And I feel like this is the first time we're kind of seeing like a working woman be the lead of a story in like a Lisa Claypass book. And yeah. I just, I loved Hannah's character. I thought she was really intriguing. And, like, I know we barely got her for, like, over, I think, 180 pages. Mm-hmm. But, like, I don't know. Her character still felt like it was fleshed out and well done. Yeah, I grew real attached to her. So, the Wildflowers are back. Uh, St. Vincent is away taking care of his father, who, mm-hmm. like, there's a little yes. scare. Because, I mean, his father won't fucking die, but, like... <laughs> They think he might. <laughs> so Sebastian is like taking care of his father. Uh, Simon is away on like a business thing. Should we just get into the drama of it all? Yeah, like, why just not? Just to get it out of the way. <laughs> <laughs> so Lillian, um, you know, she's had a baby, you know, there's a lot of recovery involved in having a baby and you know after the fact and there's you know self-image stuff that you know you need to go through and readjust to and etc and Westcliff has been at least she thinks she thinks so uh, a little <laughs> distant in some ways yeah. um and he has been chatting with <laughs> another lady mm. <laughs> And Lillian is, you know, rightfully anxious about it. You know, she's she's having these doubts about herself, about her relationship, about how Westcliff feels about her. Does he still love and want her? Does he not? You know, it's important to note that, like, she knows he would never, ever hurt her. But it's possible that he's, you know, he doesn't want her in that way anymore. Yeah. Let's talk about it, guys. Did you... Did, well, first off, we knew this was in this book. And we I knew. think I referenced it in a previous episode saying, like, oh, we'll revisit that or whatever. We're revisiting it. Ass didn't know this was coming. Mm-hmm. <laughs> How did you feel about that little aspect of a Christmas novella? I was very... Ups- I was upset. Like, I was very upset, especially... Did you think... That he would, uh, he would, you know, entertain Lady Kid, Kid what is it, Kit, Kitchen? Kitridge? Yeah. Kit bitch. Kit bitch. Kit bitch. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Love it. Um, no. When she said that he was too loyal, like, you know, mm. it's, it's, it, there's always that thing in the back of your head, like, of course. They, yeah. They're not going to, they're not going to cross that line, but they're still going to, like, they're still going to look, they're still going to talk, they're still going to yeah. maybe mm-hmm. be tempted. And it just brought back, like, all, I think it was his mom that kept pushing for him to have a mistress or for Lillian to be the mistress. And I thought back on that and I was just mad. Like I was very like, I felt betrayed. I felt very betrayed at the Mm -hmm. fact that maybe he could possibly, you know, entertain. And, Mm. and, and it made me think like, what is he doing wrong? Not wrong, but he's not doing something right. 
or there's something that he's not doing for her to think to feel that doubt way. right like mm. he's he's there's something that he's not doing you know you know what i'm sort of mm. trying to say right yeah. yeah 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 so so he got a couple points knocked off for my girl <gasps> just a little bit oh i was very upset i was worried oh my goodness <laughs> well here's the thing is there truly something that he is not doing or are these kinds of thoughts just normal you know just a part of being in a relationship long term Mm -hmm. being married being in this you know society where it's expected of him in a way yeah um and her being a woman who just had a baby who feels very different about her body i'm sure Mm -hmm. uh about sex about her relationship etc and having these doubts personally I actually love that part of the book because while it's not taking so much space in the book that it's like all that's talked about, Mm -hmm. it's also mentioned in a way that I just think is interesting and important to show that, yeah, yeah, they've had their happy ever after and like, don't worry about it. They still do. But that doesn't mean that the characters can't go through things after the fact and have moments of doubt and then moments where no of course there's no doubt and then other moments like it's ups and downs in relationships i personally don't think it was that he didn't do anything or like sorry he stopped doing something i think it was more so like march said it was like imagine being like brought up thinking that you will get married one day and just expect your husband will have mistresses if not you know one maybe two or three like it's just like expected at that time and let's also not forget Westcliff never had that conversation that he's going to be completely like you know one he's a one woman type of guy um with Lillian he's never had that conversation even though we know because he said so in his he own said book. that to his mother and in his head, but he's never had that talk that we know on page with Lillian. So I feel like that insecurity so, is kind of like it's there because it's been like ingrained in her by her mm-hmm. own parents. So that's that's then that's a little issue that I have then because he never mentioned it to her. There was never that top, that true. conversation, you know? Yeah. yeah. Of it's you and no one else. Like he was doing some things in the sense that, yes, he was spending a lot of time with this woman who Lillian didn't know. Did he ever introduce them? Probably not, because he was trying to hide what he was doing with this woman. There's a reason for it, but I think in this case, it's really just a question of like what Lillian herself was going through. And it just so happens that because she was looking for something, she was seeing it. You know what I mean? Like when you're mentally looking for something, even if it's not real and not true, you'll find it around you. You'll find those answers, mm-hmm. those that proof that you are right in feeling that way about yourself type of thing, you know? Yeah. So let's talk about what he was doing. He was actually um, trying to get her a horse. A horse. <laughs> yeah. This poor guy was trying to get her a horse so that they could ride together because he knows how much his wife wanted to, you know, ride Stony yeah. Cross with him, like, with him, and, like, you know, I just, mm. my heart broke, because he was like, why would you ever think I would ever cheat on you? Like, are you, like, stupid? No. And she even said it's in your nature to cheat on me, essentially, like, to have a mistress, to lose interest. Well, I mean, yeah, men of that time, yeah, they did. But can we also acknowledge, this is my one gripe, um, he was literally threatening to spank her and even held her over his knee, and we didn't get it. Marcus Lord Westcliff, do not threaten me 
with a good time and then not deliver. But we knew, we called it. We're like, he is such a daddy and we know that he, you know, is into disciplining. And we didn't get it, though. I was so Love mad. that we got a uh, stable sex, though. Yes. He was like, I'm going to prove things to you right here, right now, because clearly you need a reminder of who <laughs> I want and the only person that I want. I was like, yes, I know. Marcus, exactly. Mm-hmm, exactly. Yes. He delivered on the stable sex real well. He certainly delivered. Um, before we go back to the couple you know, at the center of the story. I just <laughs> feel like we need to mention that my man, St. Vincent, comes back. Our man collectively, yes. My man <laughs> comes back. Evie is in the bath. You know, she's preggers. She's going through things of her own. And, you know, he walks in, you know, with the glory. Glorious as he is. How can a character literally just walk in and make me feel that way? I, I don't understand <laughs> it. Because it's, it's Sebastian St. Vincent. It, it simple is. as that. It, it's literally as simple as that. Um, and I just want to note that line where he asks Evie if she's been a good girl. And she says, yeah, yes. And he's yes. just like, I got I to gotta corrupt you right away. This is not... <laughs> This is not proper behavior. <laughs> also, like, I think it was a line after that, TMI, I guess, if you're not, you know, into it. But if you're reading this book, you're into it. Mm. He literally, mm-hmm. as he's, like, thrusting in her, he's like, wait, it feels like your body forgot me. Because she, like, kind of gasped in pain. Yeah. And then, like, he was like, this is not okay. And then continued, you know, to uh, remold herself. Also, he brought back the family jewels. And uh, yes. I think I think that Lisa Claypass was hinting at a certain uses for pearls. Yes, she did. She was. She was. So I'm just saying, okay, Lisa, please, please stop threatening us like that with good times and then like removing, you know, it from us, taking it away from us. That's just mean. I wanted I to, you know, know about the pearls and also like love that it's mentioned that they literally don't see evie for like four days afterwards right (laughs) good for her good for her good for her it's a wonder she's walking (laughs) i'm shocked it took them so long to get pregnant it makes me wonder if if these authors that kind of hint at certain things and then not deliver in the book if they wrote it and then maybe it was taken out because or something like that oh maybe yeah maybe their editor or whoever no, you got to take much. this out. It's too much. or huh. It's never too much. Not when it comes down to Sebastian St. Vincent. No, I would have wa- wanted to see the uses of the pearls. The and I wanted to see you know, Evie get corrupted mm. a bit more. Mm. And the spanking, you know? too. And the, and the spanking. spanking, yes. Wasn't he going to do it with a crop? I think so. Something it like wasn't, that. It wasn't a proper spanking with a hand. It was more than that. Let's fact check. Oh, she's going to fact check. All right. Was there anything exciting happening with Simon and Annabelle? They were just cute. They were just cute. Like, he arrived. He came back. And, like, he literally took her away right away. And everyone was like, they're going to bang. I love how in the series, like, they're, like, a group of people that became a family. And they just know, like, you know, they're, like, they're not, they're so comfortable enough to take away their partner to, like, have sex. And everyone knows what's going on. But, like, it's not considered scandalous, you know? Yeah. Love it. Because it's so unlike that time, you know? Yeah, because 
even holding your wife's hand or like kissing her cheek was considered scandalous. Yeah. What what does it say? Tell us everything. It says she starts off, I never thought you would actually betray me that way. I was just afraid that you would found her tempting. And then he goes on. The only thing I find tempting is the idea of taking you to the tack room and applying a saddle strap to your bottom repeatedly with vigor. And we didn't see it. Marcus, what the hell? That's all I have to say. What the hell? Did she seem into it? Of course she is. She's a brat. Like, that's... I know. (laughs) Yeah. There's a definition of, like, brat and daddy. Yeah. They are. They are. And then and then she Lily backed away as her husband approached her menacingly. She was filled with a combination of giddy relief and alarm. Ooh. <laughs> All right, that's good to know. I mean, I love it. that's literally the, the difference between Marcus and Lillian and Evie and Sebastian. It's like Lillian and Marcus have a very like daddy brat you know yeah. thing going on. <laughs> Whereas Sebastian and Evie, it's like, have you been a good girl? Yes, I have. Well, we have to change that right now. Like, it's a very, like, <laughs> let's know. corrupt you and turn you into a bad girl for me type of thing. You know, I just, yeah. I love it so much. I <laughs> anyway. love it, too. Let's actually talk, though, about the couple here. Yes, I think we should, um, you know, move on. <laughs> yeah, like 30 minutes into the episode. Let's actually talk about, you know, this couple. Um, first kiss. Interesting. Yes. I have thoughts about it because so what we didn't realize at the time of us recording the episode for um, Secrets of a Summer Night is that the prologue was taken out of the audiobook. So S has never read the prologue. I didn't realize it wasn't there, even though I, I felt like something was off, but I didn't say anything. And then obviously Seth had read the prologue and reread the prologue for the uh, for the episode which is why she mentions it and s and i we were like what what the hell is she talking about they took it out because there was a kiss in which simon was being supposedly allegedly a little forceful or like you know it was a little like unconsensual i guess for for simon for simon simon and annabelle Annabelle? he kisses her without her consent here how did you feel about this first kiss? Because I feel I don't see how this is more consensual <laughs> than that then, kiss. Yeah, it's forceful as well. You know, Rafe is very. I take. Thank you. You know, like it, it's. Mm-hmm. How how did you feel about that first kiss? Remind me how it's the hot. first kiss went, because I gotta don't remember. So basically, he like pushes her under like the stairs, and he just literally lay- lays one on her. And, like, he pulls back and he's, like, I don't take no for an answer or something like that. And, like, he keeps kissing her every time she tries to talk or pull away. It was hot. And she's literally saying no. And no, and there's no complaints there? No complaints no. there. No complaints out in the, the internet? The book was, mm. was edited because if you look at the blurb, it says that the book was edited. But somehow that scene made it through. Not a complaint from me. But somehow no. that scene made it through. But the prologue of Simon and Annabelle's book did not. I find that weird. Which is the whole start of their story. Was the whole omitted. start. The thing that explains where what it's based on. <laughs> you yeah. Know? I thought it was hot. Not gonna lie. I'm I personally liked there. it. Yeah. No issues here. Yeah, but do you exactly. think maybe readers like pick and choose? 
Oh, they do. They do. I mean, maybe the reason why it wasn't taken out is because this is a Christmas book that probably not as many people actually read. That is true. Mm. So there wouldn't be as many people being like, oh my god, this is not consensual. What the hell? Blah, 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 blah. But again, like, you can't take this out and for the book to make sense. You can't. Because then they would mention kissing afterwards and that wouldn't make sense because then to the reader, it didn't happen. So Hannah has no family left. Sadly, no. You know, the cousin. And she has her father, too. Yeah, she mentions her father, I believe. Yeah, she sends all her money to someone, right? Yeah, Yeah. it's her, I think her father, and then she has siblings, like younger siblings. There's an interesting conversation here about, which Rafe kind of points out, the, the difference between a servant and what she is. Mm-hmm. And how, you know, the servant is paid a wage for their work and she's paid an allowance, which is basically the, the, the book thing. made it sound like it was like crumbs, you know, like definitely not enough to um, live off of type live of thing. Of, yeah. Where was I going with this? I was going somewhere. Were you going to talk about the conversation of him like throwing the teacup? Off the balcony? I wasn't going there, but that's a good scene to talk about. Let's talk about that. Well, set, set, the, set the scene. Set the scene. Okay, so basically, um, Hannah is out drinking tea early morning, and Rafe wants to take her for a walk, and she is like, no, I gotta go. Like, well, sure, we'll go, but let me go take this cup in. It's a teacup, um, because I obviously, like, I don't want anyone to pick up after me. This guy takes it and literally throws it, like, like just drops it on the ground, and it shatters into pieces. And he's like, oh, there you go. It's taken care of. And then she's like, what? An what? arrogant ass. Yeah. What an arrogant ass. Um, how did you feel, ass? That was a fucked up scene. Like, how can you be? <laughs> like, I get it. You're arrogant. You have money. You got, but don't do that. Don't. It, it was a little off-putting. I think there's two sides to it. We see it one way because we, I guess, identify with Hannah. And we see it the way that she sees it, which is just him being an arrogant ass and being like, I'm so rich. I don't give a fuck about a teacup. Like, and you shouldn't either. But I think what he was going for was, I don't want to treat you. Or I don't want you to be treated like you have to take care of yourself. Does that make sense? Like, in the sense that, like, she was going to take the teacup in so that no servant had to do it for her. And he Mm -hmm. was like, just leave it, you know? But she didn't feel like she was worthy of being waited upon by a servant Mm -hmm. and leaving her things there. And I think his point was to be... Because he said, okay, I'll take it then. You know, so I think he was trying to get her to accept a different position than is her position, if that makes sense, which is not necessarily a right thing to do. But I'm just saying, like, I think he wasn't trying to be mean. He was trying to force her to not always feel like she has to take care of everything for herself. You don't think it would be best for him to take it and him take it in for her? That's what I thought he was going to do, which I think he was going to do that. But then something triggered him and he threw it out. Okay. Because what he did now is, yes, he showed her that, you know, she should not be waited. I mean, sorry, she should not be taking up taking care of herself like that. Mm-hmm. But 
he also made a mess for another servant to clean up because they're not going to leave broken porcelain on the ground in the yard. Someone's going to have to go clean it up and that someone will probably be a servant. I see where he's coming from, but at the same time, I just feel like, dude, like, it's fine. Just, like, you know, let leave it there or, like, take it in. Like, just let the girl go take it in, too. I just feel like he just made a bigger mess. But, I mean, it wasn't that big of a scene. Yeah, I think I think it rubs us the wrong way, mainly because, in a way, it echoes the scene where because she was helping natalie in the beginning because she was helping natalie get ready she didn't have time to get ready herself oh yeah and so oh, that's it kind thing, of yeah. echoes that in a weird way which i don't think was intentional but it is there because you, you know that the servant that's put in that situation because of the teacup is essentially the same as what you know at hannah had to go through because she was helping and doing her duty yeah. type of thing so she had to go to the di- the dinner wearing dirty ass clothes because they wouldn't let her get changed because there was no time, and yeah. she felt gross and she wanted to leave at you know the first opportunity, and again Rafe didn't let her leave even though he knew she wanted to leave, in that moment. Yeah, but I feel like okay, that was one scene where I was kind of like still holding out a torch for Natalie just a little bit because she's like. Uh, we shouldn't have spent so much time getting me ready. Like, I feel so bad. And, like, her mom is, like, rushing them out, like, ordering them to leave and, like, go to dinner. Hmm. But then, like, obviously her character didn't stay like that. But, I mean, at the same time, I just, like, I felt so bad for Hannah because she just really wanted to get out of her dusty clothes. But, like, I loved Mm -hmm. how the Wallflower family just didn't make her feel any less. You know, Westcliff came over and talked to her about, like, her working with the scholar and, like, just, like, kind of made her feel, like, special in her own way. And, mm-hmm. like, she kind of forgot quickly about, like, the mess of her hair and the mess of her clothes. Yeah, but at the same time, she says that she, all the attention was her, on her because yeah. of that. And she didn't like that. Anyway, I just remembered where I was going with my original thought. All right, start <laughs> it over. Which was that because she has no family and she has no position in society, really, she has to work. And she works for this man yeah. who uh, I don't even remember what the fuck he does. Uh, he's a writer of some kind, I think. He's a uh, Scientist-ish, I guess. Mm-hmm. Um, and she's <laughs> his secretary. And she's never felt like there was any spark between them. Uh, but he did feel her cranium <laughs> at one point. <laughs> And, that was nice. Yeah, and she said that, that there was funny. a part of her cranium which showed that she had uh, a propensity, I guess, to be a criminal. And yeah. the funny thing is, this is a fun fact. Maybe everyone already knew this, and I just I was the only one who didn't know this. But this is re- uh, referring to something really interesting of the Victorian era, which was that they believed... I th- and it's kind of mentioned in the book, that they believe that the shape of someone's skull could tell you some things about their personality. And especially they thought they had found a pattern, uh, which was, I think she says it's like a dip at the back of your head or whatever in your skull that says that you, you're more likely to become a criminal. They had found that. And the fun fact is that they began... Guys, I have a dip in my head. Because it's bullshit. They began to take photos of people, of their skulls, to analyze patterns like that, mostly because they wanted to see who was likely to become a criminal. And that is how and why we have mugshots. 
nowadays. Really? That's a real fun fact. Yeah, that's they, they started photo- photographing people, their skulls, to wow. see patterns in the way it was shaped, and that's why we have mug shots. Interesting. I did not know that. Look at you. I know. When I saw it was in this book, I was like, oh, my God, Lisa, I know what you're talking about. I know what you're hinting <laughs> at here. She doesn't, That's like, cool. go in detail about that, obviously, because they didn't know. Like, at this time, they still think it's true. Obviously, we know now it's not. But isn't it funny how that ended up? That's, like, rooted in our history. Like, this is a thing because of yeah. that. Um, anyway, and this doctor uh, felt her cranium. And Rafe was like, I'm going to fill up way more than that on the library floor. Because the fucking library in that house, ain't nobody safe in that library, okay? (laughs) It's seen more action than, like, the bedrooms. Literally. Um, Anybody want to talk about that scene? It was a naughty scene. (laughs) Yeah. It was a great, it was a great scene. At that point, she'd received a letter from the same scholar guy. And um, he kind of more or less insinuated that he wants to talk about marriage with her. And um, she kind of felt a little, like, unfulfilled at that revelation because everyone automatically, like you said, assumed that she'd be marrying him. Mm -hmm. Um, And she kind of just, uh, you know, Rafe walks in and he's like, wait, what's going on? And then she tells him and he reads her, her letter. And things kind of got get hot and heavy because my man's like, Mm-mm, that's not happening. You're not marrying anyone. And he takes advantage of the whole situation in the best way possible. Yeah, essentially he's like, tell me you don't want me and you, you want him after yeah. this. And of course, she can't. Listen, a good, a good head massage is not something to be, you know... I love a good head massage. We love a good head massage. Yeah. <laughs> a little head fondling. Love that. <laughs> but I mean, I think at this point, Hannah wanted him to fondle something else. He, yeah, she definitely did. I guess we we have to talk about um, the flying toupee. <laughs> oh my gosh, In I burst out in laughter. I didn't know. I didn't remember this. I forgot all about this toupee, man. This toupee that uh, has a life of its own. Um, there's a little kid, he, so, okay, so Westcliff's father, no, wait, not Westcliff's father. No, Lillian Lillian's and Daisy and Rafe's father. Lillian's dad. father, Rafe's father, was sleeping, and this little boy, <laughs> this little boy, um, you know, took the toupee off of his head, and, cause, I don't know, it was funny, and, um, he was playing with a slingshot, I think. <laughs> and it flew into the Christmas tree, the big ass Christmas tree that we've been mentioning, and it got stuck. And obviously, he's too little to, you know, go retrieve it himself. And so Hannah stumbles upon this little boy trying to retrieve the fucking toupee, and um, she can't quite do it. She go she so she gets up on something. What was it? As she a tries the ladder, and then she tries something else, and then she gets stuck. And yeah, it was like a ledge. It was a ledge, and then the ladder kind of, like, collapsed on itself, yeah. and so she was stuck. She's left there, being like, hello, <laughs> anyone here? <laughs> and, of course, who finds her in this precarious situation? Mr. Rafe Bowman. None other than Rafe Bowman, dressed uh, very informal. And uh, he helps her down, and they are found in this weird 
embrace, I guess. Um, I love how Lillian walks into the room and she's like, okay, we'll come back. <laughs> <laughs> because Lillian from the get-go was like Team Hannah. And uh, this is the scene that ends with him giving her the soldier, correct? Yeah, no, that was mm-hmm. the scene. So everyone comes, all the wallflowers come, um, and they start decorating the tree, and then things happen, and yeah. And he gives her this soldier, which has a very touching story behind it. He had this, like, he has all these little toy soldiers as a kid, and, you know, he was treated quite badly and isolated by his father because, you know, he was the heir, um, so he was never allowed to play, never allowed to do Mm -hmm. anything with his siblings, really, and when he would, you know, have to have all these lessons and stuff for hours and hours he would set the little toy soldiers on his desk to like watch over him type of thing and like play with them type of thing which is adorable uh but unfortunately his father found out and took them away all except the one so it became to him like i don't know like a, a way to hold on to his childhood that he never had in a way like it you know, it protects him. You always saw it as, like, a protection of sorts. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. And he gives it to Hannah without saying anything. But then Lillian spills the beans because, of course, she does. <laughs> it's Lillian. But I loved how we had a little tidbit into their childhood and, like, how Lillian yeah. was like, you know, my brother gave this to me because I was afraid. I had nightmares. And then I gave it back to him because, you know, he... He didn't have any other ones because they all got thrown out and like, you know, it was the only one. And I just love that little moment. (sighs) And then Hannah doesn't know what to do with it because she's like, it has such a big meaning for all of the Bowman siblings. And then then he's giving it to her because I know she's the most important person to him in that moment. Also, you know, this kind of brings us to the other scene where a servant finds a letter in the bachelor's house from Rafe in which he is declaring his love and saying that of course the lady for whom this is meant will never see the light you know this letter Um, Mm -hmm. and he's you know telling her about how much he loves her how much he wants her all the things he wants to do to her Uh, and then of course the name of who this is addressed to is uh, not there you can't see it because it was burnt off of course so the servant brings this letter and, and she's like, oh, clearly it was, this was meant for Lady Natalie because, you know, they have a courtship, I guess. Mm. Fuck you, Natalie. Like, fuck you, first of all, okay? For thinking that this was for you. Um, but this really shakes Hannah because she's like, I know that this is for me. Or I think this is for me. I hope this is for me. I want this for, to be for me. Mm-hmm. Um, so she goes to the wallflowers and she confesses everything pretty much and talks about the letter. Yeah. And I love how each and every one of them are coming in one, one after one. the other. And like <laughs> she has to retell the whole story every single time. And each one of them is like, oh, I can keep a secret. And then they spill the beans to the next to one. The next and then one. Yeah. everyone fucking knows by the end. <laughs> <laughs> don't tell your secrets to the wallflowers it will not stay a no secret. they're good at keeping secrets amongst the four of them yeah. are they amongst actually no because they'll tell their spouses never mind exactly i erased exactly. what i just said westcliff somehow knows now and simon and everyone knows and it's like where's the secret now 
Anyway, how did you feel about the little letter? I thought it was really cute. For, like, someone as arrogant as Rafe mm-hmm. to feel like he needs to put his words and his feelings to Paige mm-hmm. and, like, write them down. Not to show her, but, you know, I just thought it was lovely. I loved it. Yeah, I loved it, too. I feel like we got to see a different side of him. Right. Something more vulnerable. Yeah, mm-hmm. that's the thing. That's the thing. And I feel like it's kind of like a throwback to his childhood where, like, emotions weren't really, quote-unquote, a manly thing to be talking about. So maybe he found an outlet through writing, and maybe, you know, he is someone that writes his feelings out. Which is very healthy of him, I have to yes. say. Yes, I love <laughs> to see it. Like, I feel like a lot of heroes could really gain by expressing themselves through writing and it makes me think back to when he grabbed the letter from the cranium guy and he like yeah. kind of like read it he kind of like threw it on the floor like this isn't a letter like this is this is garbage <laughs> let, let me, me show you how letter. to write a letter and uh that you know comes back later on when they have their first sex scene in which uh he acts out all the things he was gonna Due to her in that letter. Which, uh, how did we feel about that first sex scene? Happens very late in the book. (laughs) It did. Yeah. Um, But it was a good scene nonetheless. I really enjoyed it and I felt like. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. I feel like the buildup is very good in this book, actually. Yeah. Um, The sexual tension is very good as well. Like, that's what I'm saying. Like, who, who else can do this? In so few pages. No, no one. Like, Lisa Clay passed, like, honestly, just with, like, even this story. But also, there's Gideon and Olivia as well. Like, they're another couple that had minimal page time. But, like, she does it, like, she cultivates the story in a way that, like, feels like it's slow burn. But, like, it's Somehow not. It's not. If you kind of, yeah. you, if you just condense their pages that they have together and you're like, yeah, it actually isn't. But, like, it feels that way. She fits so many she says so many things in so few words. Like, she just knows how to get to the root of the emotion that she's trying to convey in the scene, you know? Mm-hmm. And that's why you feel like you know this character, even though technically she hasn't told you much, but you feel like you know them, or you know them yeah. enough that you care, and you want to see them together, and then it feels extremely satisfying by the end, and you're like... I don't feel like I spent that much time with them, but it was very satisfying and I read so fast. I devoured <laughs> this book. Like, it's just, it reads so quickly. I know. I was trying to savor it a bit because, you know, we had a, a bit, like a little bit of a gap between recording and I was mm. like, you know what? I want to spend more time with the wallflowers. But I just like, as I read it, I just, you just get immersed in the story and the words. And, you know, obviously it ends with a happy ever after. Rafe goes against the wishes of his father. So, okay, so the scene is actually Hannah, they have this, like, night before Christmas type of thing, a ball, and, you know, Hannah's there, and Natalie's father announces that, you know, they have a thing, there's an engagement, blah, blah, blah. Hannah panics because she knows about Rafe and Natalie, so she runs away before she can hear who Natalie is going to marry. Um, so she doesn't hear that she's going to marry the guy who was actually in love with her this whole time. And Rafe goes and finds her. And oh, I, lo- I love how sweet and tender and he soft was so that soft. Is. 
how he's holding her and he's like it's okay dear love whatever it's okay yeah and she's just crying and not wanting to look at him and he's just comforting her oh my god i know it was so cute because she's sobbing and he's like i hope this kind of means you feel the same way about me it's her she wants he wants so he goes against what his father wanted his father Mm -hmm. warns him before all this happens that if he does that he will disinherit him uh which was kind of already a thing because like hello what weren't you gonna give everything to swift anyway yeah but i feel like um he probably like maybe split it between the two or something i don't know but like yeah well rafe wanted shares in the company yeah and that's i guess what his father was not gonna give him yes and in the end after announcing their engagement and everything, his father goes back on his words and he's like, never mind, I guess I won't disinherit you. But Rafe, and this is extremely important, Rafe chooses not to go back to his father. Yeah. And instead, he chooses to go work with Simon and Westcliff. And... This is important because he's cutting out the fucking dead weight in his life, essentially. You know, he's telling his father, you know, I don't think that they won't have a relationship after this. I don't think he's cutting out his father entirely, but he is cutting out the thing that his father was holding against him or, you know, Mm -hmm. threatening him with. And in that sense, he removes that. So Rafe is just allowed to do whatever he wants and not feel the influence of his father i guess in a way or like the the scorn of his father good for him for cutting that out because i feel right. like the dad has a little type of he had a control yeah like he had a hold of him and yeah. i i kind of want to say like this goes into like the monster for rafe of course yeah because i remember there was a conversation that him and hannah had and she mentioned something like or you're just going to be like your dad and you're just kind of kind of take it i guess i think i know what you're talking about and he's just kind of like yeah like i guess that's how i am and that's how i'm gonna turn out just kind of like to be like my dad so i feel like that's that's good for him to cut that out and have not have that control because i feel like he was just kind of accepting what his father was or accepting the type of life he was expected to have or i guess not necessarily accepting it but not quite ready to let it go and yeah I know I agree with you as for me that was like kind of the monster story too and it like I labeled it as like familial ties and like the duty mm-hmm. ones fe- like one feels to like their family and like in this case it starts off with Rafe kind of going like going with the motions and he's like yeah I'll marry this person for you know a part of the shares for the company mm-hmm. and he kind of goes through that and like he all you know when he meets Hannah he's like actually I kind of don't want that and like you yeah. said it's just more of like he felt like he had to earn his father's respect and love. And, like, he's like, that never should have been the case. I should have always been loved and cared for by you. I should have always, like, had a safe spot in this family. But, like, he didn't have that. And, like, he still felt that duty to, like, I guess earn that with marrying Lady Natalie. But then once he makes decisions for himself and, like you said, um, you know, agree with working with Simon and Westcliff with the locomotive um, project that they're doing, he... um, he starts being his own man and like recognizes that that's not what parenting or like what 
you should like you shouldn't have to earn love and respect from your parents mm-hmm. and like he kind of separated work with like family in that sense and later on it does mention in the like the epilogue where like Hannah and you know older Mr. Bowman kind of had a relationship later on and like he kind of forgets that he didn't want Hannah for his son like later on and this like I don't know how many years later but yeah I just feel like for me that was you know the monster for him as well as Hannah not really a monster for her but like we said it's vaguely mentioned that she sends her home her her earnings for her parents and like that kind of allows her to not pursue anything else because she needs to give the salt like herself Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> and she needs to make sure that this income goes to her family and because it's solid, you know, it's a solid earnings from like this family and also with um, Mr. Clark. Well said, Seth. Thank you. Yeah, I feel like I don't have anything to add to that. It's pretty well said. That's the crux of it, I think. Rafe had already put in things into place so that his father wouldn't control his life. However, yeah. he wasn't quite ready to let it go fully. Until his father tried to control his happiness as well. And that's when he pulled the plug and said, actually, you've done that my whole life. I'm tired of this. This is my choice. I feel like Westcliff and him kind of have like, sorry, I cut you off. But he kind of has like, they kind of have like a similar childhood in the sense where like they were deprived of like warmth and comfort and like just general care from their parents. Except for Westcliff, it was it stemmed from his family wanting to keep their social standing yeah. and power over the rest of society. Whereas Rafe's family, like their perspective was, we need to gain. <laughs> yes, you know this like greediness of like needing to go up into society constantly, yeah. always, forever. You know. Never be complacent or happy with where you are. You must strive to always have more type of thing. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Also, another monster, to be honest, is uh, the anxiety that I felt reading (laughs) this book, knowing that this big ass Christmas tree is being lit with real fucking fire and candles. Yes. The anxiety. Oh, my God. Can you imagine? I know how terrible. And then Lillian kept talking about how big it was and how many candles it needed. And I'm like, girl, it's gonna, this is gonna burn down. You're gonna like burn down Sony Cross, and I didn't get to visit it. Like, you can't do this, girl. The toupee is gonna catch fire. Some kid is gonna like fall into the tree. The tree's gonna fall. Everything's gonna burn. Terrifying, truly. I'm glad. That's, I mean, I was gonna say, I'm glad this is not an issue anymore. The truth is, however, that a lot of Christmas tree burn every fucking year and they burn down yeah. houses so <laughs> i don't know that it's that much safer i've never done a real christmas tree but uh that's my anxiety like that's my one worry that i'm gonna burn it down but a fake one can burn too yeah but i feel like the chances are lower mm, not so much it's plastic girl that catches fire just as fine as the yeah. a real christmas tree it's the lights i guess this is your uh warning this holiday season <laughs> Uh, make sure you buy the right lights for your Christmas tree. Some of them are whatever approved and some of them are knockoffs that are dangerous and you shouldn't buy them. Okay. Okay. (laughs) You know, Christmas is in two days, so we don't want your house to burn down. Okay. I don't want the responsibility. Um, anywho, we've reached 
the end of this series, guys. We're here. <gasps> We're at the end. No. No yet. more wallflowers. What Emma could we do after? Oh no, I don't I know. Don't know. <laughs> Where do we go? Do you from know here? us? What what could we be doing after this? You know, we finished the wallflowers. But will we see them in the next couple books? Yes, we will. <laughs> Some of them. Let's not talk about it. No. We're not but leaving let's, yet. Let's talk about the experience then. Like we've reached the we reached we, we reached the end. How did you feel, As? How did you like your experience reading this series? I loved it. I really yeah. did. Yeah. It's a great series. Did it surprise you in any way? Was it like what you imagined it would be mm. like or Good question. Good question. <laughs> no. I'm going to say no. I didn't think I was going to love it as much as I did. There are couples where I'm constantly thinking about, like Sebastian mm-hmm. and Evie, mm-hmm. Simon and Annabelle. Really? Um, okay, well, <laughs> Simon and Marcus Annabelle? and Lillian. Okay, okay. Yeah. Thank you. No, this is a really, it's a really good series. Like, really good. Like, to the point where I don't want to branch out to other. I never want to leave this series. I never want to leave her worlds. Yeah, it's just comforting. I really hope we at least if this if this did anything i hope it passed on to you that feeling of just like comfort and being surrounded mm-hmm. with friends that you know Seth and i get when we yeah. read these books and i hope i don't know i hope you'll get the same with the hathaways which i don't know if we're gonna read that <laughs> i don't know wink wink mystery nudge, mystery nudge. <laughs> Um, but no, for me, I feel like the Hathaways and the Wallflowers are very, like, sister series. Like, they're very, oh, like, they're very sure. closely woven together. So, for me, personally, I didn't feel like I was leaving the Wallflower world once I picked that one up because mm-hmm. of how similar they were. And because of the constant appearances we get in, like, mm-hmm. the Hathaways with the Wallflower characters. Um, so, yeah, I mean, if anything, you might feel the same way if we ever decide to uh, read the Hathaway series. <laughs> We're ridiculous. <laughs> Just say what we're going to do, girls. We're going to read the Hathaways. Fear not. We are going to read them. That yes. will be our next uh, read-along series. But before that, we did promise. We did promise as we were going to be reading uh, Derek Craven's book. Thank you, oh, Seth. Thank you, because I was going to mention. Thank you. I forgot about that. Thank okay. you for not forgetting, Seth. Thank you. <laughs> I appreciate it. By the way... We all know that Lisa Kleypas is a mastermind, and if this reread has shown me anything, is that she weaves in details into her books here that do not mean anything until other series. So I actually looked into the lady with the horses, because remember, the first book in The Ravenels is all about horses. Yes. So I was wondering if that was the same lady or not, if she was already you know, weaving that thread. I'm not sure. I'll have to reread it because the name sounded familiar, but I went and checked the blurb and it's not the name of the main lady, but she changed her name because she married, remember? Kit Kit Rich? Are we talking about Kit Rich? Yeah, yeah, yeah. We're talking about her. her We are not reading her book. No, no, we are not reading. Yeah, she's no, I'm not saying okay. she, that's her. I'm saying maybe it's the that family because the girl in the first book in the Rivenel series, her family is really known for horses, and this lady, her family is really known for horses. So I'm thinking maybe it's her mother, huh, or something like that. But let's I don't know. Put a pin in that. Let's put a pin in it. that. Revisit. Yeah. Yes. 
If we ever get to the Ravenel series. If only to get more Sebastian, Marcus, Lillian, and Evie. We have to. Yes, them in their 60s can still get it. Them in their <laughs> 60s can still get it. And them in their 90s can still get it, okay? Um, I'm reading yeah. about them forever. They they ain't dying. I'm just glad that Sebastian clearly has very good DNA and will never die. His father is immortal, and so will he. Yes! That's a good so. good point. That's great that you you know you pick that out but then like you think about it imagine them like all the wallflowers like whoever dies first it's gonna kill the other one literally i know mm. why are we why are we so morbid let's not let's it's christmas, it's christmas. <laughs> let's let's move on <laughs> let's rank some people anything oh. but a gift to us you mean the coal in my stocking this is what this is <laughs> all right for the males at the bottom not really the bottom i just honestly feel like they're one they're all clump clump together you know they're all one rating in my head anyway so we got seventh spot is gideon sixth rafe fifth spot is simon and fourth is matthew third spot uh goes to mckenna first sorry not first second is sebastian and first is westcliff subconsciously you were gonna say sebastian is first i heard that <laughs> like i said they're interchangeable i heard that yeah no i mean it, for sure yeah sebastian would be number one westcliff number two it, today tomorrow it, it changes it's the same thing but has she said sebastian as number one Last week she did, and she didn't realize it. And then she I did not. Said, Can you play the recording? Gonna, I am. I haven't listened to it, but I'm convinced that that's what you said. Convinced. We'll right. see. Okay. We'll hit okay. the replay on that one. Mine is Gideon, Simon, Matthew, mm. Rafe, mm. McKenna, Marcus, Sebastian. I, I think Rafe is a really good contender. Okay. I think he's yeah. a really good hero. Really hot. No, I thought he was great. Hits the spot for me. Hits the fourth spot for me. <laughs> <laughs> what about you, Wes? Uh, for me, uh, it's Gideon, McKenna, Matthew, Rafe, Marcus, Simon, and Sebastian. What? Simon is so high. I love it. Yeah, I love it. I love Simon. He's great. I love that he's so high on your list. I, my prediction technically yeah. was right. And Westcliff was so low. That's so rude. I'm honestly considering ending this friendship. Like, I just, I don't understand what's oh, going on come here. come on. Don't be dramatic. I felt a little bit of betrayal. He has the rest of the other books to kind of bump himself up. Just True. Um, S, that sounds like a you problem. That's not a, that's not a Marcus problem, It's not right? a problem for me. It's no problem. But even even a good spanking couldn't save him for us. But he didn't deliver. See, if he, he would have spanked. See, no, that's true. That's he true. probably would have jumped to like number one spot. Like, damn. I'm sorry. It's not his fault that his creator did not write the scene. Well, that sounds like a you problem, Seth. Not an S problem. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, Lars. I love that Simon is so high on your list. I yeah. was right, you know, you obviously were. Sebastian is just going to take over everyone's life. It is, you know, what he does. But I thought that Simon would be one of your, uh, one of your faves and here he is. So pretty happy about that. <laughs> pretty happy about that. 
All right, let's do the ladies. <clears throat> All right, so seventh spot, Annabelle. I feel so bad. I don't even know why this is happening. Sixth is Hannah. Fifth, Olivia. Fourth, Daisy. Third spot is Aline. Second, Lillian. And first spot is still Evie. That's crazy that Aline is so high up. Yeah. Well, well, hey, she helped Lillian and Westcliff be together with her great sisterly advice and just, she you know, being there. You know, she's great. She's very strong-willed. A strong-willed yeah. woman. Yeah. Um, mine is Olivia, Annabelle, Hannah, Aline, Daisy, Lillian, Evie. I really liked Hannah. She's, she's, she's a great character. Yeah, I liked really her too. Is. Olivia, Aline, Hannah, Daisy, Annabelle, Lillian, and then Evie. Annabelle is very high as well. You know, I we got real mad about our Immortals After Dark lists by the end. <laughs> we got at each other's throats. We, you know, we're not happy. It was a war every single time. Mm-hmm. But I'm actually very comfortable with our orders here. I, yeah. I'm not mad. None of these characters are bad. I'm not vexed about any of this. I'm happy for all of us. Honestly, let's make a prediction. Let's let's predict who we think S is gonna like most in the Hathaway Men. Hmm. I'm gonna say. Let me write this down. I think Cam. No, I don't think so. You don't think Cam? I'm gonna go wild and say Leo. Leo. I could see that actually. Leo. Yeah. I think she's gonna like his build up. You're writing that down, S? I got it. I got it right here. <laughs> so, Leo? You say Cam, I say Leo. S, between Harry, Cam, Kev, Leo, and Christopher, who do you think you're going to like most? Just based off their names. Well, you yes. met Cam, so that's, you know, but... Harry or Christopher? Mm. <laughs> Christopher is a hot name, I have to say. Yeah. So, let me write those down. All right. Well, let us know dear listeners what your list for the wallflower is and who you if you haven't read the hathaways yet let us know who you think you'll like the most in the Hathaway why do i series. feel like you're joe from you like you keep saying you like you're emphasizing the word you <laughs> isn't she s um you can let us know online. Uh, we are on Instagram at Romance and the Monsters Podcast. Also on Twitter at the RTM Pod. On YouTube, just search the name of our podcast and you should be able to find us. And uh, Gmail, Romance and the Monsters Podcast at gmail.com. Um, yeah, and if you want to find me specifically, uh, you can find me on both Twitter and Instagram at Foes and Lovers. And you can find me, S, on both Instagram and Twitter at ButThisBook. And you can find me, Seth, on both Instagram and Twitter at Pros with Woes. And also, please feel free to leave us a rating or review on any of the podcast platform. It honestly means the world to us once we see, like, a rating or review. Just, yeah, if you have the time, just please do it. Uh, happy, happy Merry Christmas. <laughs> Happy Christmas. Happy holidays, everyone. Happy holidays. Merry Christmas. Merry, happy, whatever. And a happy new year because we wouldn't, uh, we won't talk to you guys until next year. So happy new year. We will not be posting until January 6th, which we will be coming back with our uh, best of 2021. So you have that to look forward to. And until then, uh, we hope you have a great holiday season. Bye. Bye. Bye.